for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Craig Gravel and Tony Whitlock at our post Sandown 500. We'll call it a white wash and a blue wash, and you know, it was all sorts of wash, wasn't it? It definitely had a uh, distinct rinse to it, didn't it? It did indeed. And uh, while many people are throwing their hands in the air saying, oh, the sport will be ruined and all sorts of things, uh, it was amazing to see something that's never been achieved in enduro before, a three-car team getting the... Uh, a triple eight, a triple podium, uh, just fantastic to see. And the interesting thing, of course, is that Steve Richards is probably the weak link in that, uh, or, or maybe Earl Bamber, a two-time Le Mans winner, is the weak link in that, that triple. Uh, you know, yeah, I would have gone with Earl Bamber before I went with Stephen Richards. Uh, Tony. <laughs> right, yeah, okay, a, du- a double Bathurst winner, yes. <laughs> yeah. More than a double Bathurst winner, I should say. Of course, mm. he's uh, four times, I think, actually. Yes, he's, he's yeah, got at least right. one of um, those two. In fact, it's 20 years since he won his first with Jason Bright in yes, Stone indeed. Brothers uh, in, this go-round. Indeed it was. And that was when uh, Jason did his best to write the car off on a Thursday, I think it was, <laughs> or a Friday. Some anyway, might say so that that was his weekend at Sandown last weekend. It, oh, yes, yeah. I don't think we'll be talking much about uh, that particular car and team. But anyway, let's get back to the conversations that, that centre around uh, the amazing job that Triple A did. Now, one of the things that I thought was very interesting was both Jamie and Mark Dutton, to me, both uh, made mention of is the fact how much they had worked through things on Friday and then also how much, I think Jamie's used the expression about they've thrown more parts at the ZB than any other car previously. And what's the result? They've got a car that is a rocket ship. Mm. It. it it is interesting, and we speak with Roland Dane on the show uh, a bit later, and uh, certainly there were some comments at the press conference by uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, and you can hear those comments on Inside Motorsport this week, um, talking about the downforce numbers on the car, and we get Roland to elaborate um, on while, how they're managing to go about business when they have less downforce than their they were actually allowed to uh, achieve with the car. And, uh, uh, we, yeah, it's a wide-ranging conversation with Roland about the success. And uh, we also speak with Paul Dumbrell, who um, obviously was in a great mood after winning the Sandown 500. He'd uh, come up short a couple of times. And, um, of course, famously last year it was laid at the hands of Paul with a seatbelt infringement. But over the years, they've had a number of uh, struggles at Sandown, which has kept them off the top step. And uh, Paul gives us a a fairly frank look at his life in motorsport at the moment and uh, what his future might hold. So um, two interviews that are coming up very soon, Tony, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Yes, and and when you look at it, the fact that... uh the third of the triple eight cars was some 20 something seconds in front of uh, fourth place Scotty McLaughlin, the fastest of the rest. And, uh, and he had quite a break on the others. So it was uh, quite demonstrable. I think, uh, did uh, 
Paul Numbrell talk about uh, there was only one thing that messed up their weekend, the fact that uh, uh, Jamie actually shaded Paul Numbrell's lap record or something like that. <laughs> Mm. Uh, that's certainly in, in the Inside Motorsport comments. It's not in the interview I did with Paul. Um, and we, we talk about him driving in the Super 2 Series, his business interests, being a part owner of Triple Eight, and um, and the irony that his career's taken off since he became a co-driver. And he, he's got a very, very funny response to the uh, comments in and around that as well. Okay. Um, brief uh, look at some of the news. I mean, uh, the biggest thing that broke, I suppose, over the weekend was that the fourth Nissan um, will likely look to have uh, Simona Di Silvestro in it next year, and the possibility that Triple Eight may not have three cars on track, so that the third, the Autobahn car, may not be there next year, even though Craig wouldn't have been in it. It may not actually be there, and uh, Harvey Norman and Simona may be staying at uh, their Hallam uh, workshop uh, base with uh, the Nissan team. So that was uh, breaking news over the weekend. Uh, it's not confirmed yet. Um, that'll come, and obviously commercial uh, uh, environment means that those things are kept together. But um, no other real news came out of it. I suppose uh, there were some good things that uh, for people like Aaron Russell, who'd been knocked back for a Newcastle uh, Wildcard entry. Uh, he he won the race, the first of the uh, races at the weekend in the Enduro uh, Cup, in that it was race the co-driver. The yep, and uh, and Aaron won that. Now you know he missed actually a call to get into pit lane for wets, which was fine because it meant that he the the one lap that you needed wets for they didn't have on board, and so half the field uh, played safe and came in, and the other half stayed out, and they were the ones who end up getting a good position. But, you know, the overall for the weekend was, of course, the fact that the Triple Eight cars were so quick. Um, great thing was for um, KBR, um, which is uh, where it suggested that uh, Roland Age third licence uh, rec, racing entitlement contract, may end up at KBR next year. But KBR Brody being Kostecki Brothers Racing. cousin. Yep, the, the uh, cousin, not one of the brothers, but a cousin, uh, Brody, a uh, 20 year old who's raced in America in uh, categories that you know quite well, Craig. Yes, he actually raced in the KN Filter All Pro Series, which is a, a series I was involved with some, is it 20 or 30 years ago now? I don't, I don't recall, but uh, uh, we've got a chat right. coming up next week where um, Brody, Kurt, and Jake all talk about their experiences in motor racing. And, of course, uh, we recorded that on the Saturday night. So Brody had just won his first race yes, at indeed. that stage. So that's that's next week on the show uh, to hear more about Kostecki Brothers right. Racing, who have certainly dominated some of the news with that uh, potential of them picking up a yep. licence. And, and, of course, there's a, a Triple Eight connection there, which uh, is well known that Kurt, had been working at Triple Eight up until the beginning of this year, or was it midway through this year? In, in fact, he left only a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and of course, uh, they use three Triple uh, Eight cars, um, so that every supercar race at the weekend was won by a Triple Eight car. So uh, the previous model, but now we're on the ZVs. So anyway, coming up after the break, we'll be with well, Paul Dumbrell and then you, Roland Day. Before we go to the before we go to the break, I think uh, we should acknowledge, obviously, the best rookie was Earl Bamber, but 
Um, impressively, the next best rookie was Will Brown, who uh, you spoke to, and it's on Inside Motorsport this week. Will Brown teaming up with Anton yep. Di Pasquale, and uh, he topped the timesheets on Friday, which was a f- an amazing result, and then finished 12th, one laps down with Anton. Um, and one lap down sounds terrible, but when you consider uh, that Jamie had lapped up to 11th place, and the only teams he hadn't put at least one of their cars a lap down was the Shell V-Power racing team, Dick Johnson, Team Penske, and uh, the twen- uh, and the uh, Milwaukee racing team, of which there's only one car, and who was almost um, who was almost uh, directly on the on the uh, nose of Jamie's car as he came across the for the checkered flag. So uh, potentially. Uh, the domination was almost across every team but one. And that, of course, yeah. was uh, yeah, DJ sure Team Penske. Uh, a very impressive result. And uh, we should mention too, Tony, coming up later in the show, uh, we look at the Chickadee Chicken Livery. I know was a, a huge fan favourite across the weekend and speak to uh, Shannon Kiley and, and Bruin Beasley about that whole how that whole program came together. Indeed, and just while we're thinking of Erebus, I think Will Brown got a drive-through penalty, which put them down that uh, lap from uh, from memory. Um, because yes, they were the first of the uh, non-lap cars, or rather the lap cars. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, onward and upwards with the show with uh, Paul Dumbrell and Roland Dane speaking. Post race of 24 of the 2018 uh, Virgin Australia Supercars Championship. Paul Dumbrell, Roland Dane on Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Well, Roland Dane, we uh, spoke in tail and bend after you had two of your cars on the podium and you said, well, perfect is three. There's only one more race to uh, do that. What's this achievement mean? Yeah, it's a, <clears throat> it's a lot. It's good. I mean, we've had a couple of one, two, threes before, but uh, obviously not in a in an enduro like this and at Sandown. It me- really means a lot because the history of the place <clears throat> coincides with the fifteenth anniversary of, of uh, the team in Australia. So uh, I couldn't be happier. It is um, a remarkable engineering achievement when you think about all the things that go wrong across a weekend and you've been able to keep all that at bay yeah hopefully that's uh, um, really the key to the enduros always has been minimising errors Um, and that's the end of the day what everyone sets out to do is to try and minimise the errors only the liars don't make them it's just a question of having um, having less of them than the next person 
going to Bathurst now, you've set the expectation right from the start. This is what you want to achieve again, isn't it? Of course, we always do. But um, first and foremost, we just want to win Bathurst. But then every other team does. And every other team will try very hard. Uh, It's a very different track from here. And um, set-up will be different. So uh, it's one of the beauties of this championship is that you've got to stay on your toes to go from a you know, Sydney Motorsport Park at night to a tailing bend to coming here to Bathurst um, all require very different approaches and setups so um, I don't want to um, presume anything going into it again though on, at the end of the day it'll be about minimising errors Jamie was talking in the press conference about the fact that he can't recall a time where so many parts have been put on the car throughout the course of the year and I guess that's one of the, the critical things is the way you've thought through what might have been deficiencies early. We've tried to find <clears throat> tried to find performance, we've tried to uh, make the balance of the car better um, and understand how to how to maximise the uh, the, the potential of the car and the and the, the aero setup that we've got now with it, um, but we yeah that's a, a little part of the car. There's also there's always the ongoing um, ongoing development investigation of the mechanical parts of the car. Can you can you do a better job in areas which um, have still got freedoms in them? And by themselves they're often tiny tiny little things. There's no silver bullet. You've just got to try and amass as many little things as possible. Shane mentioned something in the press conference as well about um, the, the ZB not making the downforce numbers originally, but you've been able to work through that as well. Can you expand on what he meant there? No, what he means is that when we did the parity test at the beginning of the year, the ZB didn't, didn't quite match the Nissan the Ford. But <clears throat> that's what it is. It is what it is. We accepted it on the day. And... Uh, um, now it's been a question of us um, trying to maximise what we have got and um, play to our strengths and understand far better than we ever have before um, really the different different setup points for the car, yeah, the different ride heights <coughs> uh, and um, different pitch angles, everything else that goes into uh, into setting up the car, which are free for everyone. Um, within the parameters of the design of the vehicle and the homologation. So I think we've just done a far better job of trying to understand those and to maximise them than we ever have before. Stephen Richards was saying he thought the front end in this car is the best he's felt since uh, making the change, obviously, over from uh, uh, the other brand and probably the best he's felt in your cars. Is, is that something that... Um, when you hear that sort of feedback, and I imagine the other drivers um, give you feedback similar or along similar lines, is is that something you go, all right, we're getting, every time we build a car, we're building something better into it? Well, we're always trying to improve, um, as everyone is, improve the front end of these cars. At the end of the day, these are inherently understeery cars because of the lock diff. And um, so, therefore, everyone is trying to always make the cars turn better than they naturally want to so of course you're continuing trying to do a better job of that 
Um, sometimes you make small steps and go backwards, and sometimes you make small steps and go forwards. So, um, yeah, hopefully we've done a better job this year than we necessarily have in, in the past. Well, we'll all be looking forward to seeing what happens in the uh, four weeks between now and Bathurst and to see how you all roll out of the truck then. Yeah, I'm not sure there's four weeks, isn't there? Isn't there three weeks or something? But it'll, it'll go pretty, pretty quickly, so still looking forward to it, though. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Paul Dumbrell, the Santa 500 victory here. 10, 15 minutes after the race is over, what does that actually feel like? And what does it mean seeing your entire team, which you all drive for and part own, mm. all on the podium? Yeah, it's a pretty proud moment. Uh, obviously, as Jamie said a few times before, you know the amount of work that's gone in uh, behind the scenes over the last three months to deliver the performance that we've been able to show here this weekend um, has been paramount. So everyone uh, from the factory um, and also the race team as well um, is, is incredible. So uh, for us, it's good to actually come here and actually show what the cars uh, can actually do. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got a lot more work to do uh, for Bathurst to really redeem ourselves from last year. What? How much of the car do you... Does it change between Sandown and Bathurst? Uh, uh, like, you know, we'll continue bringing new parts to the car. So as Jamie's been on record saying, you know, uh, his time at Triple Eight, there's been very few times where we've built new parts and continued developing our philosophy on setting up the ZB Commodore. So, um, hey, we've got a lot more work to do. Uh, Bathurst last year, uh, you know, we really didn't have the speed we needed. So for us, we need to go do our homework and make sure we're, uh, we're competitive there in a few weeks. When you think about... Um what you've been able to achieve since stepping down from full-time. It's, it's a pretty remarkable part-time career. Should have done it earlier, shouldn't I? Uh, yeah, hey, uh, I think we probably shouldn't put a lot past, uh, you know, the Triple Eight team. Um, you know, I was a mid-pack uh, driver for a long, long time, came to Triple Eight, you know, they're race-winning cars, they expect you to win, they give you the environment uh, and, the, uh, com- and, and the confidence uh, and the car to win, um, and that's what's expected. So been lucky to be there seven years, hopefully we've done a good job um, and hopefully we can finish out this year strongly. Is it a case of maybe you were trying to do too much, run businesses, look after a family and race full-time? Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. Um, and I think that's one of the key things that uh, what Roland said to me um, in the year uh, prior, I think 2011, I actually signed with him. Um, he said, mate, you know, you've got to sort yourself out. You can come here, have a great career. Uh, we'll, we'll make sure we, we do a good job by you. And, you know, he had confidence uh, that I'll do a good job. And I think, obviously, Jamie as well. Um, you know, Jamie and I have been friends for nearly 20 years. Um, so that's a key key thing as well so I'm not there I'm not out there to prove myself um, I don't want a full-time drive not interested in a full-time drive so I'll go out there and do the job that's asked me of the team um, where maybe you know some other guys up and down pit lane are still still trying to audition uh, for a full-time gig. Does your future though depend on whether you can keep doing the Dunlop series? Yeah, I've been on record uh, saying um, Super 2 is the only uh, the only thing I'll do. Uh, oh, sorry. If I want to race with Jamie, um, I'll have to race Super 2. Um, I've said that to Roland. Roland said that he's happy with that because that's what he says as well. So it's always good to agree with the boss. Um, but, yeah, hey, timing, family, uh, business, commercial, all those things come into it. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, we've got a bit of time up our sleeve to make a call on what the future holds. But you're not just a driver here. You are an owner. So there's a... There's a connection even if you're not a driver in the future. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll look forward to when I do retire, I'll have a nice hard card and be able to swan around and uh, it'll put me in my place. So, um, no, hey, um, the team um, have taught me a lot about life, taught me about a lot about uh, elite performance. Um, you know, everyone in the team, uh, you know, is actually absolutely at the top of the game. So, for me, um, to be around them, hopefully to add some value as well um, over the time is really good and look forward to continuing doing that for many years to come. Do you think you'd become more involved in yeah. management or... It's not the sort of career path. No, I don't know how to run race teams. Uh, you know, so obviously run businesses. Race teams are very, very different. You know, Dado, uh, RD, uh, the whole management structure um, of uh, of Triple Eight um, is there in place. Um, I've got other things to do in my life. Uh, happy to come and get my free hard car and a few few Red Bulls uh, and hopefully uh, share a few beers with the team. Well, Paul, congratulations! Fantastic effort this weekend. Excellent, thank you. After the break, we're going to be listening to Shannon Kiley, who is the PR manager for Erebus and has been there for a couple of years now and does a great job uh, looking after <laughs> her couple of young charges in uh, Dave Reynolds and um, Anton Pasquale, And, of course, this weekend has to deal also with the uh, pair of uh, Luke Yulden, who is a very experienced man at this particular uh, event, as well as young Will Brown. So after the break, Shannon uh, Carley and then Braun Beasley, who's team manager, uh, how he tracked down Graham Bailey and the Chickadee cars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bet Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back, and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to back to Inside Supercars. We're here with Shannon Carley, a PR media manager for Erebus. And we're here talking about the Sandown 500 retro liveries. And, of course, Erebus went a little bit further than most because they really went back into the 80s. Mm-hmm to a man called Graham Bailey and his Chickadee Commodore and Chickadee Salika. And Shannon, tell us about how this eventuated. What actually led to this livery being adopted? Um, Well, Penrite actually, this is one of the liveries that uh, we discussed last year when we did the Team Brock uh, Commodore. Um, So it was kind of always in the back of our mind, but it was something that Penrite really wanted to do. They'd seen it on a VF in iRacing a couple of years ago and thought, those colours really work um, and we were lucky enough that their 1930s logo is actually the one that's used on the car but looks so similar to the chickadee script you don't actually notice the difference um, and then it all we decided yep that's what we're doing and it all went from there right okay so the actual uh, the cars wrapped so to speak correct um so some of it is wrapped in ppg's uh in virobase paint and some of it's metamark wrap as well so it's a combined effort from both of those okay now Bruin beasley who will talk to about it but he actually tracked down graham bailey and got hold of the cars which you used at your launch yes so we um Bruin went up in the truck um, a 20-hour trip there and back and grabbed the 82 Celica and the 86 Commodore, both from northern Sydney, um, and got them 
back in time for our open day slash unveil last Sunday and we also got Graham Bailey down as well and his family and also Steve Land who drove the 82 Celica with Bailey. Right and of course Graham Bailey was a chicken farmer mm-hmm. and uh, famously won Bathurst with Alan Grice as a co-driver. That, that was in 82? 86. Sorry which was that? Uh, winning game. Bathurst. Yes, 86, Grice, yes. 86. And, um, and of course, it was, it, it's been sort of suggested that Erebus has, in a similar way, gone up against the factory teams and last year winning Bathurst. Um, that there was a similarity there that Alan Grice took on the HDT in the day. Yeah, it was, well, when I started looking through it more, I started to like the story more and more because... Um, I guess the privateer, obviously a lot of people uh, debate who was the last privateer, but I guess we see ourselves as a privateer as well. Um, so there was that similarity. Um, they started off second row, uh, second on the grid, which so did we. They beat the, the other oil company we won't mention uh, to the finish line. Um, it also was Alan Grice's 15th attempt, and it was Luke's 18th attempt last year. So there was a lot of similarities in that, and then, so that's where we, as a team, started to really like the story. Is there a strong love of chicken within the Erebus team? There is now. There is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is. Um, and I don't know if you saw the video that we actually got a real chicken for our launch and that was a lot of fun as well <laughs> right no i haven't seen that video and i'm hoping that it was in the right way a live chicken there but anyway um yeah look there's an awful lot of people who are saying that the cars look fantastic um because they uh you know memories of the way in which uh, that was done um and obviously it makes it a lot of fun for you for coming to this event to have a retro look yeah, we like last year we really embraced it, and this year we have again. Um, last year we sat down afterwards and we were like, "How are we going to top what we did?" Um, and I think this year we have achieved that with, you know, obviously both cars. Um, they look both look amazing, and I'm not, hopefully not just being biased. Um, no. But we've done our uniforms, we've done our suits, we've done pit walling to match. Like we've we've really gone all out, and each year we we do want to do that because we really do want to embrace it. So it's a lot of fun. How many hours does it take to to do that sort of work for all the designing and then getting it built? And uh, like normally at the end of the year, you're ordering, well, sorry, before the end of the year, you're ordering all your kit for the following year. So how do you then get it all printed? Do you, do you print it locally? How how's this all come about? Because logistically, it's probably more expensive than to do a regular season um, of all that equipment and gear. In some senses, it is, yeah. The... Um it started back in May, um, and things like your uh, merchandise uniforms and our suits, which have come all the way from Italy, they take a few months, so they were ordered by June. Um, so it is kind of a four- to five-month process. So really, we've redesigned everything other than the truck. So to me, it's pretty much like starting a new season, except, unfortunately, we only get to wear it for three days. <laughs> So it's a lot of effort for not as much, but we really, we enjoy it. So part of it obviously is, you know, a great response from the public and the media, in our case, you know, not only I'm sure us as journalists, but also others have seen and noted that they look terrific, um, probably amongst the older crew particularly. <laughs> but um, more importantly, um, Penwright were the ones who instigated this program. Um, so they obviously are very pleased with what's been done. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, they were the ones, a lot of people have mentioned, oh, Penrite are great for letting you to allow you to do that. But yeah. really it was it was the other way around. Penrite wanted to push the Chickadee um, Commodore and obviously it worked really well with them because of their 1930s font and then we went it went from there so um we're really lucky that we have a sponsor that wants to go that extra mile for retro round as well i actually noted on the car that ppg's original logo is on the c pillar of your cars yes it's on the c pillar it's on the the front uh front bar um so describe it to us so their original or it's still around, is it? um, okay. but it's just their oldest, um, I guess, brand within the PPG family um, is Max Mayer. So it's a little red dog that you see on the car that's holding a paintbrush. Um, and then we've also had some other sponsors um, such as Ryko, Snap-on, uh, Gencom um, have also gone back to their original or... Um, older logos and then we've also been lucky enough to get hair and forbes on board for the tribute who were on the 86 car originally so wow right that's fantastic do you how do you start those conversations with the existing sponsors particularly to say we're going to do this will you come on board and be part of it pretty much um we go to them pretty early and they know obviously now it's the third year that retro rounds happened um they know it's coming up so and we go to them and say hey we're doing this car and a lot of them, you know, do remember the car and is they know what it's about. So, um, you know, they're, they're happy to push their old logos because they want to be on board and embrace it as much as we do. So some teams and sponsors are reticent to change their liveries because of maybe they don't have a brand. But in this case, Penrite, you know, they probably didn't have anything to do with Baileys and Chickadee, but they were happy to go with it. Yeah, well, there's, there is another... Uh, sponsor again which I won't mention on the original 86 only a small one um, but you know I guess it's unfortunately Penrite weren't as big as some of the um, or weren't as um, involved in motorsport back then um, but you know they are all about grassroots kind of thing so they're happy to go back and embrace you know, where the sport came from. Penrite did a lot of work going into Bathurst which is the next round and mm-hmm. an important round for you guys to defend your uh, Peter Brock trophy. Uh, is there an added pressure on um, added pressure on what they want to do this year at, at Bathurst or have they put all their eggs into this basket, if you like? There's still more to come for Bathurst. Um, we've got more special liveries, um, with, which, is again, has been a push for them. So they like mixing it up a lot. Um, but, yeah, there's some... Nice, new, slick-looking cars rolling out at Bathurst, but I can't tell you much yet. <laughs> All right. Well, it's wonderful to talk to you, Shannon, uh, of Erebus. Um, we look forward to seeing those uh, new things developing and coming out at Bathurst. And congratulations to you. Penrite, Erebus and all involved because the, the cars look fantastic and obviously they're both behaving well and performing well. So Thank you thanks. very much. Bruin Beasley, who is operations manager, is that correct? Team manager is the technical word, but Team it's a manager. bit of everything, Barry and I right. share, the, share you, the load. You share the load, but the ball is hand-passed backwards and forwards between them. Anyway, what we're talking to him today about is the process by which uh, uh, came one of the, the best... Uh, retro uh, liveries in recent times that based on the Graham Bailey, Alan Grice, Salika and uh, Commodores of the early 80s and I understand you contacted Bruin uh, Graham Bailey. 
Yeah, look, I think it's important for us to have both cars and show a bit of the lineage and the history of why why we did what we did. Um, obviously, there was a, uh, some similarities about our Bathurst last year and, and how uh, Graham went about it. And, and I'm a strong believer that some of these guys that spent a lot of time, a lot of money through those privateer days really didn't get a lot of recognition for what they did. It's always been the, the Brocks and the Moffats and the Colin Bonds and the like. And uh, I think Graham's story was really good and the car looked fantastic and it worked with the Penrite program. So um, did a bit of digging around, got his number, gave him a call. Um, he was on his way to Europe um, and New York when I spoke to him. I spoke to him in New York. In his, his reaction when you actually contacted him? I think initially he thought I might have been taking the piss. He yeah. didn't really know, didn't think that it was probably a real thing. Uh, I, I suppose a call, cold call out of the blue and saying, look... This is what we want to do. Um, and uh, where's the, what happened to the car? Where is it? I'd been told that he owned it still. Um, and he said, yeah, I still own it. Um, I let him get on with his trip. When he got back, we touched base again and we organised to um, meet, pick up the car and bring it back. Right. Did he have both the Holden and the Celica? No, the Celica is owned by uh, uh, another gentleman, uh, Beach, who bought the car off. Graham in 1986, so he's had it the whole period. Um, and once again, someone told me that he was available, so I got on a social media platform and did a bit of searching, digging around, and sent him a message and uh, touched base with him as well. And this weekend, in fact, you've got the other part of the equation, although Alan Grice would never want to be called the other part. But anyway, Alan Grice uh, is in your pit this weekend. Yeah, look, we. Um, I really wanted to. Well, I. We as a collective group wanted to focus on the, the Graham Bailey story a fair bit, um, but obviously we, we got Alan involved and uh, Ben's racing here this weekend in Toyota 86, so it worked out pretty well and he's been a bit of a guest and he's got a shirt and he's had a few coffees and um, he's been very positive and very good, which is great, you know, because we, we want to make sure everyone gets something out of it all. And, and Graham Bailey actually owned the Chickadee Company. He did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the story goes, he, that was his, um, and then few years ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago there was that bird flu or one of those things wiped out a lot of his, his crop or there's a crop, flock. Like stock flock. yeah, flock um, and uh, then he, I suppose he changed direction and started doing nuggets and bits and pieces and uh, he eventually sold out to Ingham Okay. So he's retired now. Well, uh, from what we understand with conversation with Shannon, and it was just a hint you've actually got some more things coming for this year yeah, we've got a few. We've got a, there's a, 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 something coming for Bathurst. Well, yeah. The old keep them guessing sort of line, is it? Yeah, look, I think, you know, we're lucky we've got a, a good supporter, as in, as in um, Penrite, who are quite proactive in trying to do new liveries and do bits and pieces and celebrate different things. So Bathurst, obviously, will be a new, a new livery again. Is it easier to work with a sponsor who just gets the whole concept of what supercars is? than, say, a corporate partner who might have a lot of money but they're very, very uh, brand-focused and, and very reticent to, to trying things? Yeah, look, I think it's for us it, it's, it's, it's a great positive that it's a family-owned business. Um, it makes it a lot easier. They understand the industry. They're involved in their car people. They're, they race historic cars themselves, so they understand it and they get it. And Jared, who represents them, is really good too. You know, he's, he's industry-based. He knows it, he gets it and understands it. Um, and I think a lot of corporate people have 
people come out of university who are marketing people and you know they, they, they look at all the traditional standard ways and football and tennis and bits and pieces but don't understand what supercars can bring to a brand so we're extremely lucky you know and, and it's great to work with them how long has been Penrite been on Erebus now I think 2014 was the first thereabouts oh, okay. as the first start and it was started quite small and it's yep. been a and they were on a Mercedes originally, so it's been a, a process that we're just expanding and growing and growing and growing. It. And you know, you see this year we've had two cars branded at, at times, and uh, we'll probably do that again next and, year. And do they get involved technically as well? We do some oil development for them. Yeah, everything we run in the cars is off the shelf stuff, nothing, no trick stuff. But occasionally they look at something we've updated or got a bit of a thing you want to try, and we run it, and we're happy, they're happy, and then they put it on the shelf. Well, it's certainly wonderful to see a sponsor as involved as they are with uh, your company um, and, and putting their brand on, on the side of it. it. It's wonderful to see. We look forward to uh, seeing the developments uh, in colours and, and schemes as the year goes on. Oh, I think you'll look, Bathurst will be pretty good. The cars are going to look fantastic and um, if we can just pick off where we, we left last year, that should be pretty good on the, on the podium as well. That would be wonderful. It's been a while since we've seen some back-to-backs. So thanks very much to Bruin Beasley on Inside Supercars. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having us. After break on Inside Supercars with Tony Whitlock and Craig Gravel, we're going to have our final thoughts on the Sandown 500. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's crew at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself... Of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Post Sandown 500, uh, an amazing race, and uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons, there was a moment on about lap 159 when Chad Nalen, who has been doing commentary on supercars at the track for some years, he has a great understanding of motorsport, covers virtually every type of motorsport you can think of in Australia, from speedway to tracks, rallying, bikes, whatever it is, and Chad is a very knowledgeable person, and he made a comment that... While it might seem frivolous and stupid to some, it actually was very telling. He said if there hadn't been a safety car in the 500, that it's quite possible that Jamie Wincup might have actually lapped himself. Now, it's a stupid comment in some ways, of course, because you can't lap yourself, but it rather draws and highlights the very thing that was so, so dominant at the weekend, and that was the Triple Eight speed. And boy, did they have it in spades. Yeah, it. it I, I had a feeling when we left Taylor Bend that this is what we're going to see. And as you remember, you asked me who was going to win, and I said Jamie and Paul, and uh, that that came about. But the the absolute dominance of it, and the fact that so many other teams were left in their wake, as I mentioned earlier, how many of uh, the other teams were you know simply a lap behind, literally, not figuratively, and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, Tony, it, it, it is. It bodes for a very interesting Bathurst, and but is it very interesting to you or I? And the fact that one team can get all the podium places um, has dominated the last fifteen years of motorsport, 
Uh, Jamie's got seven championships to his name in that time. Is that something we should be worried about or is that something that we should be reveling in? Um, I am of the well, latter opinion, it, it, but it, what about you? It, it's happened several times in the duration of time I've spent in the sport. Um, and, of course, you go back in the days of the 60s and 70s and even the 80s that various teams, you know, I mean, you look at the domination, for instance, when uh, Moffat was running those XB Falcons, Bondi and uh, Moff won twos. They just were a regular basis. Um, and then you, you jump forward to the 80s and Dick Johnson and John Bow, and they were plucking out sort of one twos all over the place. It's happened at various times throughout our sport. And I actually think that people are taking it very wrong. I mean, it's interesting to see how far a lead that Triple Eight have now. Realising, of course, also that Lowndes points don't accumulate with the other two cars. Mm. So it's purely and simply those two Red Bull cars that get the points, and they are 657 points in front of DJR Team Penske. That is a massive lead. And obviously, it's highly unlikely that they're going to be... Uh, Pass. So they'll be back in pit lane. There was a rather humorous comment, which I rather enjoyed, of Jamie Wincupper. Um, and Jamie is as good out of the car as he is in it. And his comment was when he was sort of asked about being back in number one in pit lane, which is, oh, it means that they can look out the top of their truck, which has some unusual windows at the very top of their truck. They can actually see things because at the moment all they see is the side of another truck. <laughs> Yes, he he, uh, he but, certainly he, he's certainly been able to uh, enjoy his uh, he's certainly been able to enjoy his rapport with the media a lot more in the last few years, Jamie. And uh, and uh, unfortunately, some people still take it the wrong way. But he is he's at the top of his game as a driver. I I think it'd be very hard to argue that anyone's seen a better touring car driver in this country than he. And. Uh, and, you know, why would you be upset about watching the best driver of any era go about and do his business and, and then, for that matter, the best team of any era go about and do their business? You know, there's an awful lot of people, Craig, as you've more than likely heard over the last uh, 15 years since uh, Jamie joined Triple Eight uh, as a dumped Gary Rogers driver and then a Tasman driver and got on the podium at Bathurst with Jason Richards. But since uh, Jamie joined Triple Eight, in the time that he has knocked up the 100 and whatever it is races that he has, Craig's picked up about 40. Mm. And that's the, the, the measuring point. And certainly Craig, um, you know, when he came into the series back in 94, 95, he made a very big impact. Uh, and that was a time when there, of course, was testing. Yes. Oh, yes. It's all gone by the way, wayside now. Yeah, well and truly. But, yes, look, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, uh, Shane's already got a – and been extending over the last races. They've won seven – Triple A won seven of the last eight races in the series. He's extended his gaps uh, point to Scotty McLaughlin. And it's, you know, Craig then sits in fourth in the points. Craig uh, is a 55-point gap, certainly not a winning gap but it's more than likely a gap that would certainly well and truly give you confidence going to uh, Newcastle. Um, it was interesting, Craig, I thought that some comments made by Shane, which I understand you've uh, spoken to uh, Roland about, about balance, mm. balance more important than downforce. 
And and that to me sums it up. Now, of all the other teams in pit lane who have ZVs, one team which has got a fraction of the resources of Triple Eight, and that's Erebus. And they have been doing the best job of all the other teams, all the other ZB teams. Um, and, you, you know, it's a team that you wouldn't say, you know, these are the, the, the very best people in pit lane, but they clearly are because they put putting together a performance that is uh, likely to see them possibly even ending up on the podium of the championship at the end of the year. Uh, team's championship, of course. Yes, yes, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. They call themselves misfits, but when you look at the uh, CVs of, uh, you know, uh, Alistair, Barry, Bruin, uh, and then some of the mechanics, their CVs are... Uh, Bean and, yeah. Yeah, that you would really, really like... Um, you'd really like some of those people to be working in your team as well. Indeed. Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Supercars. We thank you very much, and we look forward to... Next week, we've got some real treats in there. As we said, the Kostecki brothers. We've got some chats with Mark Dutton talking about preparation for Bathurst and a whole bunch more on Inside Supercars with Tony Whitlock and Craig Rill. So it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.